Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. The title of the message tonight, Time Out, okay? Have you ever been in time out, okay? Well, it's not like time out, like you're being punished, but it's time out. It's time out to mean that, uh, that we are, uh, you know, um, outside of time is what it's going to end up meaning tonight. Look in Genesis chapter 1, in verse number 1. And uh, let's, let's look here. The, the, the very first verse in the Bible starts us to thinking about a, a couple of important things, specifically about some very important limitations. Remember that word limitations. Limitation is going to figure into a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's begin reading from Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right. Now, uh, this, is, this is very important because uh, th- th- there, are, there are some very important words in Genesis 1-1 that should, that, that, that should cause us to really start thinking about a, a, a couple of important things. Uh, one of the words is beginning. Okay? The word beginning. Uh, that right there should signal something to us. Okay? In the beginning, I mean, that... that that should jump off the page to us, okay? In the beginning, God created, okay? A second word, created. Now, these two words, uh, along with, you know, all the other words that are there, but these particular two words, beginning and created, they, 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 they really should make the student of the Bible uh, in, in any in-depth study of the Bible, and we are students of the Bible, especially on a midweek service. I mean, you know, Sunday morning, it's the 5,000 crowd. Bless me, feed me, heal me. That's all Jesus taught the multitudes. Jesus never required anything of the multitudes. And on Sunday mornings, we have a multitude. It's a bless me, feed me, heal me time, okay? And Jesus said, you wouldn't follow me except I fed your bellies. You wouldn't follow me except, you know, it's bless me, feed me, heal me. You know, Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount was all about blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, you know? And, and, and they chased Jesus down and he healed the whole multitude and he fed them all fish. Bless me, feed me, heal me. But when we start narrowing down the groups of people that Jesus preaches and teaches to, we find that out of the 5,000, 70 of them became disciples. And in Matthew 10 and in Luke 10, Jesus sent them out, you know, two by two to preach in every place that he was going to come. And he had a different message for them. He told them, go out, you know, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead and cast out devils. And they said, yeah. And they went out and did that. You can read about it. And then uh, also he had a different message for the 12. The 12 is another identifiable group. And Jesus had a special message for them. Their message was eat my flesh and drink my blood. The 70 couldn't take that message. The Bible says in John 6 that when the 70 heard that, they turned and walked with Jesus no more. They didn't, you know, I mean, they, you know, the bless me, feed me, heal me group is not the group that wanted to be sent out into all the world, you know. But the 70, they wanted to go out and have power, but they really didn't want to be crucified, okay. And the Bible says that that's a hard saying, the 70 said, and they turned and walked with him no more. The 12 said, you know, these are the words of life. You know, I mean, we love this stuff. And so every group 
had a different message. And then there was the three that had a different message. You know, I mean, the three, uh, Peter, James, and John, y'all remember, Jesus took them places. He didn't take any of the other disciples. He took them farther in the garden of Gethsemane. He took them on the Mount of Transfiguration. He spoke to them in a different way. Whenever Peter got a little bit out of line and wanted to save Jesus's life, you know, he cut off the ear of the guy that was arresting Jesus. And Jesus told him, put that up now. Don't do that. You know, I mean, come on, that's not what this is about, you know? And, and, and also Peter told Jesus, you know, you're not going to be crucified. No, no, you're not over my dead body. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Now that's not something you want to do to somebody on a Sunday morning to a visitor. Okay. You got to have a relationship before you cross that bridge with that much weight. Right? And then, you know, not only was there the 5,070 and 12 and 3, there was the one that Jesus entrusted with his mother. And he said, listen, I'm going to give you my mother's heart, and I'm going to give uh, my mother a heart for you, and you a heart for my mother. And, and she's your mother now. Behold your son. I mean, you know, there's a different message for every group. So you are a Wednesday night group. The Wednesday night group, we're going to just go a little deeper. I'm not going to have to pull any punches. You should be students of the Bible. If you're not, then sign up right now in your heart right now and say, God, I want to be a student of the Bible. I want to go a little deeper than just a 5,000 message, a little deeper than just, come on now, give me power over demons and to cast them out and heal diseases. Jesus said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And yes, uh, yes, you know, you have power over serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Luke 19, he said, but don't get it mixed up. That's not your main message. Don't rejoice in your power over demons. Rather rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what we get excited about. We get excited excited about souls being saved. Come on, I gave you power over demons so you could save souls. I gave you power to heal sickness and disease so you could save souls. Make sure you understand what you're supposed to rejoice over because the angels in heaven rejoice more over one person that will turn to God than over all those who, who, who really are living in a right way and don't have any need for God. But at any rate, where am I? Okay, I remember. We're in time out. And any student of the Bible with an in-depth look at, 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 at just this, this first verse, should have a couple of questions. The question that we should have, and God does not mind being asked questions, by the way, okay? These two questions are reasonable. These two questions, uh, uh, you know, uh, should be asked. And the correct answer to these questions are essential, okay? First question, what was before the beginning? In the beginning. Okay, in the beginning. Now, when I read that, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When I read that, I want to know, okay, well, what was before that? Have you ever asked the question, what, 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 when, what happened before the beginning? Yeah, I have. I want to know. I've gone all the way from Genesis to Revelation and all the way from A to Z in Britannica trying to find out what happened before the beginning. I mean, I have my theories. And people should ask. We should ask. And we should go on a scriptural search to see if God has left us any clues in the Word in order to correctly interpret what, the, what, what, what we should know. Because the answer to this question will provide some essential platform, uh, a, a foundation for us to launch into our understanding of God, who is the main topic. God is the main topic of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven. In the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. You know, it's not about the heavens. It's not about the earth. It's not about the beginning. It's not about creation. The, the, this whole thing, the whole the Bible is going to be about God. <laughs> and God is telling us something about him in the beginning. Well, well you know, well, what was before the beginning? A, a second question, you know, okay, if God created everything we see, who created God? Come on, thinking people. Don't read the Bible with your eyes closed. Okay? Don't read the Bible as though that, that you think God imagines that you need to accept things that are absolutely so strange and so out of whack with what we understand without asking him to help us understand this a little bit more. Where in the world did God come from? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever dared to ask God? It's not sacrilegious. It's not anti-God to ask him, where did you come from? You know, okay, what was before the beginning? Okay, okay, you know, I mean, I believe in this, but I believe in God from a personal conviction. And there are some reasons that, 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 that this uh, study that this pursuit there there is an essential there is a an absolute foundational reason that these answers have provided for me to believe in God I boy, this helps me to believe in God the pursuit of these answers helps me to know why he is God instead of Allah why he is God and why I worship him instead of following Buddha why, why I, I, I believe he is God and I believe his storyline instead of believing in reincarnation or instead of being an atheist. But it begins, this is where God wanted us to begin learning about him. Not just what he did, but who he is. Okay? And so it's essential and reasonable that we have these correct answers and, and, uh, and as well as, you know, even the next you know, uh, uh, two questions are also would be just an important, uh, you know, uh, how, how did God create the heavens? You know, what's one of the big world questions, you know, of creationism versus big bang versus, you know, you know, whatever else, you know, eternally, uh, you know, God, how did you do this? Do you give us any clues in your word as to how you created the heavens and the earth? Why Lord is so much attention focused on the earth instead of on some prettier planets like Saturn or Jupiter. Come on now. What makes the earth the center of our universe and our existence? What do you think? Do you think this God just, you know, whatever he did, flung out a galaxy and then he went around surveying each one of the planets to see which one would sustain life? No, he, he knew what he was doing in the beginning. <laughs> but why did he create this one like this for us to sustain us? I mean, he could have created uh, us to live in Jupiter or Saturn or Pluto's environment or Mercury's environment. He could have created us any way he wanted. Why is there so much focus on the earth? Why is this, why, 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 why is this book you know, for us on the earth. Well, uh, for the sake of time, <laughs> we're going to limit our pursuits this evening to the subject of time. 
We'll get into some other stuff in weeks to come, but uh, we're going to look at the subject of time as understood from a study of the Scriptures. Uh, now, it's, uh, it is through the study of time that Genesis 1-1, starting with Genesis 1-1, that we really first begin to understand God. It's, it's, it's the first thing God mentions is time. Think about it. In the beginning. That is a time mark. It's a mark of time. It's a past mark on a timeline. Okay? It's a beginning. Can, can you see where I'm going with this? It is the beginning. It's, uh, it's, 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 you know, before the beginning was out of time. The beginning marks the time that God wants to talk with us about in this book. There is a time. We have to look at it and realize that the first concept that God is sharing with us is a concept of limitation because time is that by which God limits things, whether it is our life or whether it is his coming or whether it was what he did in creation. He then, you know, later on in, in, in the first chapter, he began talking about day one and day two and, you know, marking of times and seasons, you know. He did it after, after Noah and the flood. You know, he talked about time. He told us how many days Noah was on the ark. These things are important to us on earth, evidently. They are very important. All throughout the book of Genesis, you know, God talks about, you know, the, 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 the genealogy and how many years it was before this one had a child and this one had a child and this one was, you know God is trying to get across to us the importance of us understanding him and and starting to understand him with the very first words he ever said and it's a placeholder it's a marker God wants to understand that's a marker in the beginning it's a concept of limited life that man did not live before that. that that's, that's a limit. Limited life. Uh, uh, you see, created things. In the beginning, God created. Created things have a beginning. They have a limit. Created things are finite. Created things have limited life. What did God create? The heavens. It has a limit. It's, it's created. Heaven, you know, the, 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 the heavenlies. One day the Bible tells us the heavens will melt with a fervent heat. They have an expiration date too. They have a, a, a timeline. They have a beginning when God created them and they have an end when they will melt up and roll up like a scroll and be done away with and boom. It'll be over. God is giving us bookends. He begins by saying the beginning. Earth. Earth has a timeline. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And one day, you know, the earth, I mean, it will be destroyed, gone. And God will create a new heaven, a new earth. But, but for this, the planet earth, he wants us to understand it had a beginning. And before we get finished with the book of Revelation, we're going to see it has an end. And all the prophets talked about that it would end. I mean, and the end of the world will come. The end of the age and the end of this earth and everything we see, everything on it, all of the elements will all melt with a fervent heat. Let me tell you, I, I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but boom, it's going to happen. Mankind has a limit. Mankind was created. Not just you individually, certainly us individual. I had a beginning and I will have an end. I showed up on planet earth one day and one day I'm going to leave. That's going to, boom, I have bookends. And I'm told about it. I'm told that before I was formed in the belly, God knew me. But one day I will exit this life because it's appointed to man, every man to die. But also mankind was created at one point. And at one point, mankind will exist no more. There will be an end, a complete end to mankind, to people procreating people. At one day, it will cease to exist. It won't happen. You say, well, what about me? Well, you'll have a glorified body and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Well, what about other people? Nope. They will exist as a soul, but not as mankind. And people who don't know Christ will exist in an eternal abyss. But this experience, this what we are, God wants us to understand in the beginning. He tells us at the end of Revelation, but here at this beginning bookend, he tells us about a beginning and about creation and a creation with limitation. Not only will the heavens that we see here melt with a fervent heat, and we understand why, because we know what they're made out of, but, but also the heaven where God's throne is today will cease to exist at some point. Interesting, huh? Sure it will. Yeah, because one day heaven, you know, it, it, it will descend on the earth and in, uh, the new heaven and the new earth. And there will, you know, I mean, the throne of God will be on the new earth. Heaven is a temporary holding place, always has been. It's a holding place for the souls that have died in faith, looking forward to Christ, looking back in Christ. You know, uh, 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 the, the little children who, who have, uh, you know, uh, 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 died prior to their, their age of accountability. You know, uh, they all, all, they, you know th this is a holding place. They are awaiting a resurrection of their bodies. They are awaiting a day of glorification. And then, you know, after, a, you know, a, a wedding feast and after a thousand-year reign and after, you know, millennial reign and after, you know, a, you know, a, a real good battle or two, hey, new heaven, new earth, you know, great white throne judgment, and we get to pick back up with a brand new plan. But it's, you know, it's only mentioned in this book. We don't have a book telling all about it. We catch glimpses of Revelation. You know, um, the heaven of God will, will one day, you know, it has a beginning, has an end. Hell, hell has a beginning and has an end. God created hell. That's what the Word of God says in Isaiah 5, 14. Therefore, hell hath, hell hath enlarged herself. It is, uh, hell hath enlarged herself. Wow. So, created with limitations. Hell was originally created with a limitation. Okay? But she has now opened her mouth without measure. All of a sudden, it has gotten bigger. I mean, it, it has some physical properties. Satan created, a created being. 
He had a beginning when God created him, and he will have an end when he is thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, hell was created for Satan and his angels. That's what Matthew 25, 41 says. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. One day, death and hell, death and hell will be thrown into a lake of fire along with the devil and all of his angels, Satan will be thrown into a lake of fire for eternity. God gave us that knowledge as we peer into the Word of God and study it concerning time. When is that time? We don't know. Angels. Angels were created by God and have limitations. Angels are not unlimited. The angels of God are mighty in power, and the Bible says that they are ministers for those who will be heirs of salvation, and the angels of God can, can, can appear in, in, you know, in, 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 in uh, you know, uh, bodily form, and, and you, know, you may be entertaining angels unaware. You may uh, you know entertaining strangers, and we know that they show up and help a lot of people throughout the Word of God. We see God giving us information about angels and fallen angels as well. He gives us information about fallen angels, those angels that, that, that rebelled against him whenever uh, Satan, whenever Lucifer, you know, Lucifer was, uh, w w was the praise and worship leader of heaven as we understand. And whenever he rebelled against God, he had already politicked and he had already deceived. That's one of the things Jesus said, beware of in the last days, let no man deceive you. Whenever he's telling his disciples about the end times, he begins the discourse and ends the discourse with an admonition, do not be deceived. Why? Because these things are so deceptive. So deceptive, in fact, he said that, it, that, 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 it, that if the time was not cut short, even the very elect would start believing this stuff. Let me tell you, we are not prepared for the things that are come, going to come upon this earth. You are not prepared. I'm not prepared. The Bible says that, that we're not prepared. In fact, men will be praying. They will even die of heart attacks. Their hearts will fail them for a fearful looking of things which are to come upon the earth. That means whenever they realize what is happening and what is coming unprepared for it their heart they will have heart attacks in fear of the things they see coming to them and happening to them on the earth let me tell you that's a tough day of course I'm not going to be here but that's another story <laughs> okay because there's a time for the church on the earth as well there are limitations Jude 1 verse 6 says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, did not keep their first estate, did not keep, uh, you know, uh, but left their own abode, uh, left their own body, they left their own, uh, literally left their own, uh, their own uh, body, okay? They left their glorification. They left. They, 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 they took off. They shirked off. They pushed off their God-likeness. They literally took it off as though you would take off a robe or a garment. They took off their God-likeness. They did not keep their first, their own, their, 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 their very first estate. Uh, he has reserved them into everlasting chains. Hold on, angels can be changed? Yes, because they are limited creatures. They are created by the hand of God and therefore limited. 
limited in time, limited in function, and those that rebelled against God are limited in ability, great limitations on their abilities. They cannot go outside of your command. In fact, the Bible says that he's given you authority over all of the devil's abilities. And realize we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and minds and dominions and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. We are not wrestling against governments. We're not wrestling against organizations. We're not wrestling against politicians. We're not wrestling against the cities. We're not wrestling against people. We're not wrestling against races. We're not wrestling against the police department. We are wrestling against principalities and powers and mights and dominions and the weapons of our warfare are mighty only through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. That means that our minds get renewed. We'll start acting like Jesus in the midst of every situation. And that's what we need to do. Realizing that everything we're facing has a limit. Everything created had a beginning and has an end. Even light. Do you know light has limitations? Of course, light as well as these other things are, are, are physical creations of God. Physical creations with physical limitations. Light, for example, um, some of you photographers, uh, you know, you, you may be familiar or maybe some of the physicists familiar with the, the inverse square law of light. I know most of you are. Yeah. Okay, great. The intensity of light is inversely proportional to the square of the distance from the source. Y'all remember that, right, from your third grade physics class? Yeah, what does it mean? It means that as distance increases, intensity decreases. If you shine a flashlight on something, okay, it's, as, it's one quarter as intense at every time it doubles the distance, you, you, you know, the intensity equals the distance, you know, one over the distance squared. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's a, it's a law of, uh, it's, it's an inver inverse proportionality law so that when you double the distance of light, you know, you get, a, you know, a quarter of its intensity, for example. Okay. What does that mean? That means that uh, we need more light in order for that camera to see me. Or if I was right up next to it, it could see me well. Well, anyway, okay. Uh, the universe is limited. The universe is created by God. It is a, it's, it's a creation. The, uh, you know, the observable universe, the, how, do, how do we know that it's, it's, it's limited? It's because the observable universe it has long been, long been believed, long been believed, and is still believed by probably many people. I don't know what to believe. <laughs> I only know what I read, and you read, you can read things on both sides of the table, okay? I'm not that sharp. I'm not the sharpest knife in the bucket, but let me tell you what I've learned, okay? Uh, it's long been believed that the universe, that, that our galaxies are flying away from each other at the speed of light, 
Okay. Okay. But in 2017, a group of really, 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 really smart people. You can look on my notes at easysermons.com and you can find out who they are and the articles that I'm quoting. Okay? Really smart people decided that, you know, I'm not sure that the universes are actually flying away, that the universe is actually expanding. Now, if the universe is expanding, if it is, and this is what is most believed, that the universe is expanding at the speed of light because we see the galaxies, you know, uh, flying away from one another. So it, it, is, it is expanding. The observable universe is expanding. But I have a question, expanding into what? What's on the other side of that? Expanding into what? If it is expanding, then it means that there's an edge somewhere. There's a border. If it is actually expanding, it has to be expanding into something and expanding from something. I mean, I mean, you can only blow up a beach ball. So, I mean, it's expanding, but expanding in, I mean, it's, it, it has an edge. And this is the way it's, it's, it's understood. In fact, the Bible talks about the heavens. You know, one day he'll roll them up like a scroll. In fact, if you'll read all throughout the Word of God, it talks about, you know, the heavens are stretched over us like a tent. I happen to believe that, 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 that the universe is very thin, personally, because God's going to roll it up like a scroll one day, okay? Uh, and and, uh, and, and I, I happen to believe it's like a tent just been stretched out over us. That's what I believe. But, you know, I'm, and I can take you the Word of God and show you about, you know, 30 scriptures, you know, why I believe that. But uh, at any rate, uh, uh, now the new thing, you know, the new thing is that, uh, that, uh, that well, realizing that space is not a vacuum, you know, it's, it's plasma. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that space and time are so connected as you well know, that time also has def definite limitations. One of the limitations of time, which you're aware of, is that in the beginning, okay, in the beginning, let's say that's the beginning, and let's say that's the end. All right, are you all with me? Okay. Uh, I'm going to imagine we live somewhere like maybe, I don't know, I think we live over here. But for the sake of, uh, you know, drawing, I'm going to put us living right there. Now, that's me. This was my beginning. This is my end. I'm just middle-aged. I'm going to be 100 and, you know, whatever it is, 30-something, I guess, when I die. Now, time, a line, limits me. I have a past, I have a present, and I have a future. Okay? Are you with me? I have a past, I have a present, and I have a future. My limitation in time, I can only see my past. I can only experience my present. And I can only move to my future. I cannot move to my past. I cannot experience my past. Wasn't but about, you know, a few weeks ago, I ate at one of my favorite restaurants. 
It's Captain Tom's. It's shaped like a little boat, and it's just past Beltway 8 on, off the interstate when you're going into Houston. You know, that little boat-shaped thing? They have the best shrimp. Oh, my goodness. And I ate a dozen raw oysters, and I ate uh, uh, fried shrimp and, and French fries. Whoo, it's good. Coming back today from, is all I could do not to stop there. And Brenda said, can we please stop there? I said, no, honey, we can't stop there. Please. She loves it too. We, we like to eat there. Okay. But you know, right now, even though I've eaten there so many times, right now I can't experience that. I cannot experience it. I have experienced it. I can see, I can remember but I cannot experience it. I can remember, I can experience only the present. I can't even experience the first time I said experience here tonight. It's gone. That's gone too. That one too. That's gone. I can't do that anymore. You're thinking, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I've just wasted 30 minutes listening and I'll never get that back too. Okay, uh, you know, <laughs> once it's gone, it's gone. Okay? 80 years worth, right? <laughs> it, it, when it's gone, it's gone. I can only experience time. I am limited in time. I can only see the past. I can't see the future. If any one of you could see the future, you would have invested in Apple and Walmart. Right now, you wouldn't be here. You would be somewhere in your villa in New Zealand with all your family and friends. You can't see the future. You can only experience where you are. And it's gone. We are so limited. We are very limited. And one of the things that limits us is time. Time is, a, is, is, is physical. And time can be slowed down. The theory that was proposed by Jose Sinobola is his name, and Mark Mars and Raul Vera at the University of Basque County, Bill, uh, Bilbao, and University of Salamanca in Spain. Those Spanish guys got real smart all of a sudden, and this is what they said. The team of scientists, they devised an outlandish theory claiming that the, university, that the universe is not actually expanding that it's not expanding at the speed of light. Their theory is, is that light is slowing down. And because light is slowing down, it makes it look like the universe because it's taking longer for the light to get here. And it looks like they're getting farther away. But time is actually slowing down, basically under the law of entropy, which says, you know, we're in decay, everything is. Everything that is created is in a state of decay. Everything, including time, is in a state of decay. Uh, we know that you can slow time down even by speeding up. I mean, you know, there was an astronaut uh, named Scott. Y'all remember? He went up and stayed almost a year uh, in space station while his twin brother, his, his uh, you know, uh, uh, monozygotic twin brother stayed on Earth. And they tested them. All these scientists in NASA tested him, tested him, and found out that he was indeed younger when he came back than his brother was. Why? Because time slows down. 
The faster you go, the greater your mass, the heavier you get. In fact, let me just tell some of you, it's caution on speeding. Literally, I mean, it's, it's me, it's me, if it's measurable, it's real, okay? The faster you go in a car because of this, this, this speed, uh, uh, you know, uh, increasing mass, uh, you weigh more when you're driving faster in a car than you do whenever you're driving slower. So one day, one way to reduce weight is to drive slower. That's why speed limits have been set is to try to keep us from, from, uh, you know, weighing too much. That is actually true, by the way. Uh, okay. It, 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 it really is true, but, uh, but, uh, it's measurable. Everything that God created, including time, he created for us. And it has a shelf life. Okay. And, uh, what we need to do is observe the difference between something that is created, whether it's the heavens and the earth or whether it's, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, man or angels or Satan himself. Everything created is in a state of decay and it has a limitation as opposed to God. God is the only thing that the Bible says God is the only thing that has not been created. God does not live on a timeline like all the rest of us do, like the earth is, like the heavens are, like hell is, like the angels are, like the demons are, like Satan himself. If we are not watchful, we will live in an assumption that is very dangerous. It's, it's, it's not just in error. It's not just doctrinal error. It's dangerous to live in an assumptive world and not look at the Word of God and learn the truth from God's Word. Why, why do I believe God is God? Why, 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 it, it, it's, it's because of one of the things He says in His Word. He, he tells us something that He can do that I can't do and no, no one created can do. He can see the end from the beginning. If we're not watchful, we will assume, never verbalize, but this is not taught well in our churches, and it's, but we will almost assume that, that, that God and Satan are co-equal enemies locked in a, uh, a spiritual battle for the universe and the souls of mankind. That's not the truth. Nothing could be farther from the truth. God does not live on a timeline. You see, Satan is a created being. Satan has a timeline of life. There was a time when there was no Satan, when there was no Lucifer, when there were no angels at all, zero, none. Okay? 
God created Satan, Lucifer. He was the angel that covered, the cherub that covered. You can read in Ezekiel. You can read about him, how when he breathed, he breathed music, that his pipes were the music of heaven, and he responded, and, and all the heavens, he led all of creation in worship to God, for I don't know how long, but long indicates time. I don't know how long, but I do know that Satan, that this, this God is infinite, Everything here is finite. Every other religion, me and my son Ashley were talking about this a couple of nights ago, and, and, and he said, yeah, you know, the, the, the difference between many religions and, 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 and our God is that, you know, many religions are finite, trying to reach into the infinite. But we have a God who was infinite, that came down into our finite world. He reached down and brought us up. We're not trying to get there. He got us there in himself. We are in Christ. Satan is a created being. God is not. Satan is a limited creation of God. God is unlimited. Satan is constrained by time and space. Have you read where he's going to be put in chains? Have you read where they're going to lay hands on that serpent, that dragon? The, have you read where God cast him to the earth? Have you read where he was cursed to walk, go on his belly all the days of his life and eat the dust? Have you read where, where his head is going to be bruised by the son of the seed of the woman? Have you read all of these limitations? Have you read where he is going to be thrown into a lake of fire with all of his demons and devils? And uh, Have you read his limitations that he walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour that we have the ability to resist by faith? Have you read where he has to listen to our authority and he, that we have authority over all of his ability? Have you read about his limitations of which God has none? If this is God, that's Satan. They're not co-equals locked into some battle Satan is a fallen cherub of God who one day decided because of all the abilities he had and, and all of his own desires by his own pride, iniquity was found in him. And being lifted up with pride, he began to politic. And he got a one-third of God's angels on his side. And he thought that his minority was enough to overwhelm the majority. And whenever he came up against God, he realized that he was a dot on a timeline. And that if he had followed and served the Lord, he would have continued to follow along God's timeline for increased glorification and responsibility. But whenever he decided he was going to take over, and Isaiah quotes him as saying, I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend unto the heavens, and I will sit upon the throne. I will sit in judgment on the sides of the north. Have you read that? And God laughs in derision and says, Yet <laughs> you shall be cast down to the sides of the pit. Who do you think 
you are. You see, God lives outside of time completely. Eternity, we think of eternity as, you know, time 101, time, time 2.0. It's not. Eternity is not just an abundant, an unlimited amount of time. No, eternity is outside of time. It is, you know, God lives out completely outside of time. That's why God can see my past, see my present, and see my future. He sees it all at one time. He's outside of time. That's why God sees the beginning and he sees the end. He sees it all at one time. Time you know, who was it? Einstein that said it's, a, it's, it's an illusion? It's our illusion. Because God does not live in our time. Time is for us. The Scripture gives us clues all along the way. In the beginning, God created, you know, John uh, 1, 3, all things were made by him and for him, and by him all things do continue. Uh, let me give you this scripture, and then we'll close for tonight, and, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll pick up on uh, where we're going to talk about God, the subject of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, we've just got beginning and created we talked about heaven and earth, but this God is magnificent that we serve. He's magnificent. Isaiah 46, verse number 9. Remember the former things of old, God says, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Why do I believe that he is God, because he's proven that he can see the beginning and the end. All throughout the Word of God, prophecies reveal. When Daniel was sitting in Babylon one night, Cyrus, the Persian king, rode through the open gates the river gates rode into the city of Babylon and conquered Babylon without a shot. And he ruled Babylon as the new king. Daniel was there. It was during his time. The king's name was Cyrus. But you know what Daniel had in his possession? A book. It was called the book of Isaiah that was written 150 years before that Persian king rode into the city with Daniel, you know, one of the, one of the leading wise men of the Babylonian kingdom and accepted by Cyrus as one of the counselors, the, the wise men, one of the wisest. And so you know what Daniel was able to do? He was able to say, 
I knew you were coming. I knew how you would get here. I knew when, how, everything. Because 150 years ago, you were called by name by the prophet of Jehovah, saying that Cyrus, my shepherd, shall enter in through the gates, and it will be him who declares to send the children of Israel back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. He will decree it, and he will pay for it, and he will send them back, and my people will return during that time. See, 150 years ago, the children of Israel weren't even here 150 years ago. They've only been here 70 years. But when 70 years came, God said you'd be here and you'd send them back. You know what Cyrus did? Sent them back. Ezra, he was in that group. He went back. Nehemiah, he went back. Why? Because God said. That's that's just one example of why I trust this God, why I believe He is God, the one God, the only God, the existent God. And in verse 10, He says, There is none like me, verse 9. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Let me tell you this is the God to serve this is the God that gave us his word this is what makes it different than all the others who have claimed to be God before him or all the others who worship uh, you know who, who are worshiped as God this is the difference he is God he knows you before you were formed in your mother's belly, he saw you. How? Because he sees everything at one time for us. Time. He's outside of time. Able to view everything at one time. Wow.